Welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 32 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today I am joined by the lovely Miss Abby Eaton. For those who don't know about Abby, well, you have to stay tuned to listen to her awesome story about her career in motorsport, but she is on loan from the UK. She's a TV media personality, currently a part of the Grand Tour, and has currently been testing with Walkinshaw and Matt Stone Racing. She's looking to secure a drive in Super 2s in 2019 V8 Supercar Championship, studying in Adelaide in March. <laughs> Please help me welcome Abby to the show. Welcome to the show, Abby. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Um, so what brought you to Oz, of all the places in the world that you could have gone to pursue your racing career, why have you decided to come to Australia and pursue um, so basically, I've always wanted to, I've always been interested in the Australian supercars. Ever since I was a young kid, I've just, you know, when you watch them on the television and so on, you just think they look absolutely ridiculously good fun. And kind of probably the last maybe two or three years, I've kind of got into maybe a little bit more, a bit more motivated to actually do something about it because my dad actually bought a, a Holden Commodore from 1983. Yeah. So he had that brought across and kind of stored it. And it's basically a replica of Peter Brock's Bathurst livery um, from 83. So obviously in the UK, it attracts quite a lot of attention. And it's just a proper old school car that you've got to drive properly. In a way, the kind of modern V8 supercars are very similar to that because you haven't got any of the kind of drive rates that in GT cars, which is what I usually race, yeah. um, I've got. So it's just down to the driver and the car. And it's, you know, the, when you, you have the two meshed together and, and it's in kind of harmony with each other and that's when you, you get the drivers at the top of the, the field that you have today. Yeah and so is supercars big over in UK? I guess for us here like it's our, our sport we love it. What was it like overseas watching, watching the supercars? I think like if you ask any proper racing driver if, there's, if you say right money's not an issue like it doesn't matter if you've got to do this or got to do that one race championship that you want to do and you want to have fun in and, and race with your friends or whatever, what would it be? Everyone would say the Australian supercars because they're just, as I say, they just look so much fun to drive. And it's just like a big go-kart, but because it, there isn't any kind of technology to kind of, I guess in, in GT cars in kind of am, amateur professional stuff, the cars make it easier for the amateur drivers to be closer to the pros. Whereas in these ones, it is just every single driver in the top 10 is a proper professional driver and they're absolutely wicked at it. And it's just, it's a proper art to watch and it's just incredible. Like, I can't walk past the TV with it on without stopping and watching for a bit. Yeah. And what do you love about it? Just that, I mean, obviously now you've driven one, but before that, well, what was the attraction towards it? Just the, 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 just the yeah, the racing. Yeah, just the raw power of it all. It's just, you know, it's not was it about 600 odd brake you know it's got a lot of power under uh, under your right foot but it's just you haven't got any technology to catch you if anything goes wrong so if the driver makes a mistake it's going to bite you and that's the kind of draw because I think quite a lot of cars now especially with you know hybrid technology and and everything is all kind of you know moving forward with state-of-the-art stuff whereas supercars it's all very the the 
all of it and the raw kind of power and nature of it is just basic car you've got four wheels you've got a steering wheel and you know where you're going it's the best driver wins yeah and i know for a fact that you would know about racing different types of cars because you were on the um, grand tour last year as the test driver so you obviously got to test a lot of um, different vehicles what does it kind of a va supercar equivalent to i guess uh, in the uk or power wise or driving ability wise what have you uh, put it in line with? I mean because it's such a big kind of heavy car there isn't really anything race-wise in the UK that you can kind of compare it to kind of like for like kind of the probably the most like for like are the older cars like the one that like my dad's imported across and stuff like that but they kind of I guess in terms of weight and, and power kind of um, power to weight ratio the GT cars are very similar but as I said they've just got so much technology with it that it's, it's just a complete different ball game. Yeah I mean when you, you're so lucky to drive all the different cars that I do on, on the Grand Tour and other things and, and my other parts of my work, it's, you get spoiled with the cars that you drive. You know, my dream car growing up was an Aston Martin. When I was a little kid, I was like, I want an Aston Martin. They're amazing. You know, I love them. And as soon as I jump in and drove for it, and I was a bit like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and that's just because I'm so lucky to get to drive all the other kinds of cars that are out there. And, you know, it's not a bad car at all, but in the grand scheme of things, there are, and it depends what kind of driver you are as to what you want out of a car. And if you want it to be a nice, cruisy, comfortable car for mileage, but still beautiful and still pack a punch, then you get an Aston Martin. But obviously my involvement in motorsport, I want something that's, you know, that's raw and aggressive and it's going to try and bite me all the time. So it just depends what kind of car you're into, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, let's go a little bit deeper into your um, career into motorsport. So you started racing go-karts with your 10, thanks to your dad. What's your journey been like to today? How have you been able to achieve everything you have at the tender age of 28? 27, just 27. Oh, 27, sorry, 27. I just saw you had a birthday, so I was like, okay, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm already like 27, I'm nearly 30. That must mean I need to have like all my stuff together by now. And it's, I'm still... <laughs> playing racing cars yeah so kind of yeah started when I was 10 years old but the journey for me I guess started much younger with obviously following my dad around when he was racing so I was at a track when I was about two months old in a push chair and every single race weekend that my dad did I was there you know growing up around it you know oil under my nails just getting grubby and just a proper racing kid and um it took a couple of years of kind of pestering my dad to get me a go-kart to actually kind of start and get going and um, once he did, I think I think probably the first time I drove it, I was, it was in a car park. And I just kept doing donuts. And in the end, I burnt the clutch out. Yeah. And I think at that point, my dad was just like, oh, what have I done? I've, I've let her loose now. What have I done? So yeah, from then, it's been kind of 17 years of, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, I'm not from a family that's got a load of money, which a lot of people in motorsport, because it is that kind of a, an industry, it's a, a business and it's a money-making game and all that kind of stuff. So I've had to really graft to be able to do what I do. And, you know, people think, like I've had some people, especially since the Grand Tour thing happened, you know, saying, oh, Silver Spoon, you know, and like with the, the supercar thing, well, you know, money gets the drive and all this. And actually, yeah. of the 17 years that I've raced, I've only ever done five full race seasons. So from the first race all the way through to the last race, I've only ever done five five times. Mm-hmm. The rest of them have all been part seasons because it's all I can afford to do. And in some ways, that's probably made me a better driver because I know that when I jump in the car, I've got to deliver. Like I haven't, I haven't had the time to test. I haven't got the best equipment perhaps underneath me, but I'm going to try and maximise what I've got to play with. And 
yeah you kind of you become very adaptable to things and I guess that's kind of shown with the Grand Tour being able to jump in and out of different cars and you know set the times that I do and you know thankfully when I jumped into the supercars over the last month or so I've, I've been able to adapt to them very quickly as well so it's it's not the easiest path to get to where I've got to, gotten to but in terms of a rounded driver I think it's probably made me a better driver to get to this this part as well um so just excuse my ignorance but is your dad like equivalent to say like our um like a Dick Johnson um when he was racing and he kind of probably not that big he is um like a good kind of it's difficult to describe it's probably like a national racer so I guess maybe some you know something similar to kind of the supercars, uh, maybe one step down from the supercars, but he's, he's done it for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was known, um, and you know, even now walking around the paddock, some people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you're Paul Eaton's daughter, aren't you?" And, yeah. Um, although now it's kind of changing that people go up to my dad and say, "How's Abby? What's Abby?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. And yeah, so, yeah. Have you felt more pressure on you um, having that name to live up to? And, and um, no, not really. And what right. about female in the sport? To be honest, my kind of views on obviously being different in motorsport as as being a female is that like it doesn't really enter my head and it's not at the forefront of my mind. And it's yeah. kind of I when people ask me about it, I'm a bit like, Oh yeah, I am a little bit different. Um and probably since the Grand Tour being kind of put in the spotlight a little bit more, I've probably had to think actually I am probably a little bit inspiring to those that are younger than me or those that maybe want to get into the sport and yeah. you know I'm just a, a girl from Yorkshire in England that is doing something that I love and that I've always loved doing but actually if I look at the bigger picture I'm you know it's probably something that's kind of unprecedented especially with with the Grand Tour putting me in in the, the position that they have that's you know unprecedented for any kind of big motoring show to do that and to put a female in that kind of position so you know hats off to them for giving me the opportunity for that as well but yeah, for me, the kind of I'm a racing driver that just happens to be female, and if I can use the fact that I'm different and unique to better, you know, get more exposure for my sponsors or get more sponsors on board and that kind of stuff, I'm absolutely fine with that. But I don't want any special treatment because, uh, you know, because I am a female. It's just up to them. If they want to give me some some budget to go racing, then you know, we will both get something positive out of it. Yes, and I think it's time that we highlighted the fact that you did get the role over our own Mark Webber at the Grand <laughs> Tours. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, have you met Have you met Mark, and have you had a relationship with him over the course of your um, racing time? No, so I haven't actually met Mark. So when the kind of auditions and stuff were happening, it was all very you'd have like an hour slot where it would just be you at the track with the crew and then you'd be shipped out and then someone else would be in for the next hour so it was all very kind of secretive and everything was kept push push and, and that kind of stuff yeah which it, those kind of things always are, are that kind of way but I haven't actually had any kind of personal uh, exposure or chat to Mark but a funny story from this year at the Silverstone Classic which is a big kind of uh, classic race meeting in the UK that happens every year and I was racing my dad's Holden in one of the, the championships and we'd got some t-shirts done so it had a big Holden car on the front and um, a few of my friends were wearing them and one of the guys, Matt, he had it on and Mark Webber's dad was there and he shouted at him, it's like, oh Matt, are you driving that Holden? 
And he was like, no, it's Abby. And like pointed down to me. And apparently Mark Webber's dad was like, what? Is Sheila's driving that thing? And she, he was like, oh, fair play. Wow. You know, she's, she's really hustling that thing. So that made me laugh. Like obviously the typical Sheila, Sheila tag for, um, for a bird, which cracked me up. Yeah. He's an old school man from Canberra. <laughs> yeah. Very proud of his dad. Yeah. Um, but without a doubt, even though you've only ra- I raced five five seasons, you certainly have had a great career to date, winning two championships, and you've had over twenty five wins. What was those championships? What what categories were those championships wins in? And and um, yeah, what's been your favourite category to date so far? Um, so my first championship win came in two thousand and nine, and it was the production touring car championship. So it was kind of obviously production road cars that are kind of stripped out and caging and stuff like that. So kind of the the theory behind it was obviously these cars you can look at on the track and think, well, actually, I've got one of those at home and I drive around in one of those kind of things. But obviously, when you look underneath it, it's all you know very much a racing car. But um, yeah, so that was my first series in senior racing. So in I did carts for four years and then I moved out into carts uh, into cars sorry when I was 15 and I did that for a couple of years and then moved into the senior racing where I you compete against however old kind of drivers and whatever experience and um, yeah it was just a really successful year kind of got on with the car and, and got on with the team and knuckled down and ended up winning that got a fair few wins in the championship um, overall as well so that was a nice boost to kind of come into senior racing and to have that kind of platform to go on um, and then my second championship was 2014 and that was the Mazdramix 5 Super Cup and to be honest that was probably one of the most fun years and it was probably it was the last year that it was done as a family run team so my dad ran the car he built the car and we had my uncle as a mechanic and one of my good family friends Chris is another mechanic and mum would be there making the bacon sandwiches in the morning and stuff like that and you know it wasn't it was seen as one of the toughest championships in the UK um one make championships and in that year there was 40 cars on the grid and I was the only girl um in the championship and there was probably six or seven times throughout the year where kind of I'd be like yep yeah this is looking good and then something happened and I'd think oh no I've lost it I've lost it and then you know go again and it was just a season of up and down and kind of it came to the last race meeting and I was leading by about 17 points. So there was two races on that the, the weekend and all I needed to do was pretty much finish and then I, I would have won the championship. And in the first race, um, my power steering pump failed because um, the alternator belt came off and basically what happened is I was like, I'm not stopping because I need to keep on going and I'm going to go until the car stops me basically. So in the end, the engine blew up and I didn't finish. So there was this mad panic because we didn't have another another car. We didn't have another engine because we're a budget, you know, family-run team. And yeah, we're like, what we're going to do? And my dad was like, look, I'm going to need to get an engine anyway to be able to sell it. So let's try and get one now. So at least you can try and finish the race tomorrow. So there was a scrapyard down the road. And my dad basically said, look, have you got any, any bashed up MX-5s that still work? And there's this one that was all smashed up and it got shipped in. And the team worked overnight with this road car, swapping the engine over into the race car. And you know, this this was a random engine that we had no idea if it was any good or if it was even <laughs> going to last or anything like that. But it was the only option that we had. And what happens in the UK if you don't finish one race, your next race you have to start from the back. So I just said, look, I'm not I'm not going to win this. I can, I, but all year it's just been about winning, winning, winning. And I was like, this last race I just want to enjoy. So I went out back of the grid and. I think because I was so the pressure was off that yeah. I, I ended up I had the fastest lap by a second and a half, so a second and a half quicker than anyone else on the grid. 
and all through the race, I was just cutting through up to the front. And then this other guy hit me off, <laughs> broke the car, hit me off. So I just, I went crazy. And I was like, I can't believe that. Like I've gone from just to finish and then last thinking, oh, I haven't got it. Oh, I have got it. I haven't got it. And then in the end, um, what had happened was I, I won by one point. And that's because I got the fastest lap um, during, during that race. So I did end up still winning the championship. But like, if someone said to me now, look, if you could go back knowing that you'd still win, if you wanted to go back and do that race weekend again, would you? I'd just say no, <laughs> because it was so stressful. It took probably me and the family like a month to get over it because of the emotional rollercoaster that it was. But in terms of kind of, I really earned that, that championship. And, and so it was so much fun because it was a family run thing. And it, it you know, it's got a place close to, to my heart for that year. But the kind of, the more recent stuff has been, you know, a big step up with last year, for example, I was in the Ferrari 488 challenge car. And that was a friend of mine that had basically said, look, like, I want you to jump in and drive with me. So like a professional and amateur driver together. And um, I hadn't raced for like a year and a bit. And I'm thinking, oh, like, my other friends that were competing against, the other professional drivers, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be like, you know, what's she going to do, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up jumping in, and I was faster than the other professional drivers. And I was just like, oh, thank goodness. Like, you know, again, the pressure kind of put on, but I've been able to just jump in and kind of deliver with it. So that has been another kind of personal success of mine from doing that. And then having the courage to come out here yeah, for so two months. So just going back to like you're not racing consistently and, and having that obviously that major race event um, to win that championship. Mm. What what do you feel that you've con uh, what do you feel that in your life that's contributed to that resilience um, or that's made you have that strength? Like you said, obviously you have this clear um, talent to be able just to rock up into any car and do a fast lap. Are you like constantly doing sim racing? Uh, is it just training? Are you visualization? Apart just from your talent, uh, what else? What else do you feel like that's contributed to, towards your success? I think I'm very, I'm very focused. And for example, like if, like when I came out here before, I was on the sim, making sure that I knew where the track was going, and making sure that I was fit enough to be able to drive the cars, and just trying to mentally put yourself in the right frame of mind so that when you jump in, you're not worrying about bits and bobs, and you just kind of get on with it. And even if you haven't got that kind of luxury, because like. To go on the sit on the sim in the UK is very expensive. <clears throat> it's about for three hours. I think it's about the equivalent of maybe seven hundred bucks. So it's still an investment to put into it to obviously put yourself in a better position. So if you haven't got that, it's just on the day allowing yourself to pick up on everything. Like there are some people that will walk in and be like, "I know what I'm doing. You know, I've done this for however long, whatever, blah blah." blah. Whereas when I go into those situations, I'm a bit of a sponge and I'll absorb everything I can. To hopefully make the kind of the ride a little bit smoother to to get to where I want to be. But in terms of the supercar test, I've had a lot of prep beforehand to obviously um, give myself the best opportunity out here. And how did that opportunity come about? Were you just on TV one time and you said, "Hey, my ultimate goal is, is to race in Australian supercars," and Matt Stone Racing gave you a call, or um, your manager got got your drive? Like, how did did it all involve from you coming from the UK over to Oz and, and actually having those test drives? So it was down to my dad, really. So he was um, racing the Holden at Brands Hatch, which is a, a circuit in the south of the UK. And there was a couple of um, Aussies over there racing some cars themselves. Um, one of them, Peter Dillman, he is now kind of my Australian manager. So yeah. he raced supercars back in the day. And 
basically just walked over and was like, what's this doing here? You know, this is a long way from home. And my dad and him just kind of got chatting and my dad was saying, look, look, my daughter really loves supercars. It's something that she'd love to do. Do you have any contacts out there? And blah, blah, blah. And like, apparently my dad was pestering Peter to watch my onboards and stuff like that, which I wasn't aware about. I didn't know. <laughs> Gotta love and our dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Typical racing dad, which is lovely. So he's very proud. And yeah, he's basically said to Peter, please watch him, please watch him. And he ended up kind of having a look and was a bit like, wow, this girl can actually drive. And you know, he has the tools and the contacts to be able to help me. So he brought in um, Joe Gardner, which was basically when he raced in supercars back in the day with the Gatorade car, Joe had put together the deal with Gatorade. Mm-hmm. They brought her on board as well. And basically those two, plus my PR guy, Matt Payne, has just been kind of flat out trying to, to get me the opportunity. So the Walkinshaw test came first um, and uh, the Matstone test had been kind of booked in for a while before the Walkinshaw test. But um, yeah, both of them massive opportunities and the team were both brilliant as well. And yeah, I just have got the book now. I want I want to drive some more. And so where is it left out? Like, um, are you looking to do Super 2s or Super 3s or anything in 2009? What, what's the grand plan for 2019? <laughs> yeah, so the kind of the plan is to do Super 2. It's just, obviously, the, the over Christmas period has not been a perfect time to kind of get deals done and, and to get conversations going. But it's starting to pick up again now. So just having meetings and, and talks with investors and stakeholders and, and people like that, just to see if people are actually interested in, in getting on board and you know the the biggest thing that I have kind of been a little bit overwhelmed with is the support that I've had out here from you know, the, the locals from the team from the, the the drivers and you know it's been lovely and they've welcomed me with open arms and I just the thing that I obviously is most important to me is to be able to jump in the car and be quick and thankfully I did that in both the tests so you know, got that bit out of the way. That was the hard part done. And then the other part is just kind of working on, on getting the sponsors and, and getting the drive. So Super 2 is my aim. We're still working on it. It's just difficult with sponsors, um, as is, it is with anyone. So yeah, we haven't given up yet. Yeah, and are you working on that yourself? Or is just Joe predominantly and, and Matt? Or um, are you helping out with the process? And, and, and if so, have you found the process to be different in Australia versus the UK? Um, so it's mainly Peter and Joe and, and Matt that are working on it. Their kind of mentality behind it is that, you know, they want me to be able to concentrate on the driving and the fitness and you know, learning Adelaide, for example, before it gets to the first round and just making sure that I'm in the right frame of mind for that. And they don't want me to worry about, you know, the other stuff because yeah. there's a lot of, of, of pressure and bullshit that comes with that side of things. And they just want to kind of keep my head clear. But me being me and kind of being self-funded and self-motivated and all that stuff from, you know, 17 years, I'm always like, what's going on, guys? Let me know. <laughs> like, well, what about this? What about that? And they're like, you stay out of it. Like, you know, but. Um, don't worry, Joe, Joe's been on talking to me, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, like I, I know Matt as well. So Matt's been a previous um, guest, but I've known Matt forever. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've got a good team around me, and they are they're all working absolutely flat out. And although Joe's in Hawaii at the moment, so she'll be a bit more relaxed probably. So yeah, we'll see what what happens. I haven't given up yet, but obviously it's getting close to the the first round. Um, and, if and if it doesn't transpire, what's plan B? Are you going to race a, a lower support category? Are you going to head home or? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, plan B is to try and race something out here. I'd love to 
and especially if it's on the, the supercar package, because then it allows me to learn the tracks and just kind of get involved and, you know, be under the, the um, radar of the teams and the, the fans and that kind of stuff. So that would be plan B. And then it would give us at least another year to kind of work on getting the budget for next year um, and to attack it properly. But if that doesn't happen, I'd love to stay out here and, and kind of work out here for a bit and just enjoy the kind of lifestyle. It's just everyone's so much happier out here and it is definitely down to the weather. As British people can be a little bit miserable, but you can't, you can't blame us because of the weather that we have to enjoy. Although we did have an amazing summer this year. Oh, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Really, really nice. And then the football almost came home as well. But yeah, the football didn't quite happen for us for poor England. Well, we've got Foxtel taking it always, checking on the football. Um, yeah. And I know you've been doing lots of travelling, and I do want to touch on that. But I just want to go back. What about the 12 hours? Has there been any expressions of interest with that coming up in February to get on board? Yeah, so the kind of initial plan was to try and do the 12 hours as well, um, just to kind of as a little bit of a springboard and kind of, this is me, this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 before the season starts. But in the end, we just decided that it was probably better to just focus on the Super 2 season. and. You know, Bathurst is an incredible track. I've not driven it personally yet, but I've done a lot of laps on the sim with it. And it's just anything, drive anything around there would be an absolute dream. But I didn't want to kind of stress myself out trying to get the budget and get something for that when actually it's one race. Yes, it's one amazing race, but I want to concentrate on the season of, of Super 2 instead. And so since you've been here, what race tracks in Australia have you visited or have been on? So last year when I came out here, I went to Phillip Island and... There was GT cars going round, and I really wanted to go and just be like, please, someone, please <laughs> let me have a drive. Please, I, I promise, I know that I'm a girl from Britain, but please, I'm actually all right. Let me have a go. Um, but in the end, I just went around the go-kart track with, uh, with my family. But uh, one of my friends has just offered to let me have a stay around Phillip Island, but I'll be back in the UK by that time, which is a shame. Um, so the tracks are actually driven here. So the first test with um, walking shore was at uh, Winton. So probably a, a good track to have my first experience on because it's kind of got the, the really hard braking zones and, you know, the couple of faster um, high speed corners. It was, a, you know, good fun and good place to start. And then the second test with Matt Stone Racing was at uh, Queensland. So, yeah, that was a different track altogether. Obviously fairly easy in terms of kind of, you know, there's not many corners, but all very high speed. And it's just the technique to, to get the cars to turn and, and to get the things stopped as well just took a little bit of learning but once I kind of got my head into it it was good fun and yeah I just want to drive all the all the tracks now but mainly Bathurst is what I want to do. <laughs> of course you do and so you just mentioned that you're going to go back to England when are you planning to go back? Yeah so I'm going to go back on next Monday so I'll be back just to see the family and then I'm, I've got a ski trip in France which has been booked for a year or so. so we're going to do that and then I am due to come back again on February the 3rd so start of Feb but we'll just see how the talks go basically if there's going to be kind of more meetings and stuff booked in which there should be then I want to be here for them and I want to be present in them because ultimately the person that can sell you is you <laughs> sell myself the best is me and it's all right someone saying you know that I am chatty and you know I can speak and you know I'm a good ambassador but unless I'm sat there you know they, they think that themselves then it's just easier for me to be there but if not then I'll you know, I would love to come back out again throughout the year and, and yeah, just live the dream a little bit longer. I don't <laughs> want to work. I don't want to get back to work. <laughs> no, and you have been living the dream back to your travels. And so where in Oz have you been since you've been here? 
Um, yeah, well, as many places I can be, really. So the first week I spent in Sydney, so I kind of flew in and stayed at, at my manager's house in Sydney, and then um, went down to Melbourne for another week, and then went up to Brisbane for another week, and then um, I'm now kind of living in Newcastle, so just north of Sydney. So yeah, I'd love to kind of drive up to Bathurst as well. So if I end up coming back in February, that's what I'll probably do. I'll take a bit of a road trip up to, to Bathurst and see what's what's cracking up there but yeah Australia is a massive place so still still got lots to explore <laughs> and so I won't keep you any longer Abby I really appreciate your time tonight I just wanted to know uh, do you have any advice for upcoming drivers that are wanting to race maybe internationally and um you know how they go about fulfilling their dreams um I think the main thing is just kind of don't give up um motorsport is is quite a fickle business and you know, you can get knocked down a lot and you just think, why am I doing this? It's very difficult to kind of stay motivated when, when especially when something's your passion and your role and you, you're really motivated and you want to stick with it and you want to do well. And actually, no one gives you the opportunity and you've just got to believe in yourself still and just push yourself. And if a little sniff of an opportunity happens, go in and speak to the team and, and find out what you need to do and just be better than everyone else kind of with these tests that I just did, you know, I was emailing the team the week before saying, have you got any data runs from the previous time you were there? Have you got this? Have you got that? Just so that they think that actually I am switched on and that I want to do well because some drivers will just rock up on the day and be like, right, what's going on then? You know, what are we, what are we up to today? So yeah, just try and be better than everyone else in terms of more prepared, not in terms of dirt walking, thinking you're the, you're the best thing since whoever. And just give it your all. And if your all's not good enough, you know, you, you can't do anything more. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I've got a few more personal questions. Nothing to do. Um, so why do you hate tomatoes? <laughs> I just don't like them. <laughs> I really don't like tomatoes. You know what? So, they look so nice, especially with balsamic vinegar and some onions. Like in France, that's all the family eat. But it's just not for me. No. Can't do so it mushrooms more. just don't like the taste or the texture? or I can't do the texture. Horrible. <laughs> Like, I think it's because my mum used to cook really nice fajitas, chicken fajitas. Yeah. And she'd use, like, chicken thigh and she'd put bits of mushroom in. Yeah. And when you look down, the mushroom kind of looks like chicken. So you'd take a big bite and it would be a, a mushroom. So oh. I think that's where so I blame my mum. You have to order a pizza with no mushroom. Yep, no mushrooms. <laughs> and no tomato. I can do the tomatoes. I'll just pick them off. Oh, fair enough. Oh, and so Abby, through your experience, what is your favourite track in the world and why? My favourite track that I've had the pleasure of driving or experiencing yet is probably, I love Alton Park in England. It's a track with kind of ups and downs and, you know, banked turpin and it's, it's a, what we call a driver's track. So it's quite, it has the capacity to be very dangerous. I think drivers are a little bit weird because the closer they are, the death and the closer they are to something going wrong that's when they thrive the most and most people in the UK that have driven out on park love it as well but I think if I were to drive Bathurst it would be Bathurst. <laughs> well that is the most common answer here obviously but I also yeah. interviewed Jess Shanahan today for Get Paid to Race yeah. from the UK and she agreed with the same track as you so yeah I must get over there and have a look and check it out. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. So thank you very much for your time today, Abby. Um, how can people get in contact with you if they want to follow your journey here um, in Australia? So I've mainly been using Instagram. Um, so my Instagram um, handle is abbyeaton44. My Twitter is exactly the same. And my Facebook is abbyeatonracing. So I just kind of post things. You'll, if you just 
type into Google or whatever, it should come up anyway. But yeah, more than happy. People give me a follow, give me a message and, you know, more than happy to chat with everyone and, and tell everyone what's going on. Fantastic. Well, we can't wait to see what's going to happen in 2019. Hopefully we'll see you on the starting grid um, of the Super 2s um, here in Australia. Um, if not, I'd love to see you somewhere else in the world and um, we'll look forward to following your journey. I hope to have you on uh, a little bit maybe later on in the year to tell us about what's been happening. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully it's very much, to talk about. Thanks very much, Abby. Have a great time going home. Enjoy the snow. A little bit different from the yeah. <laughs> And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.